everybody. I'm Ann Hoffaberth. I'm with Gulf Breeze Recovery. And today I'd like to welcome you to the Beyond Addiction podcast. Our guest today is Pamela Downey, who is a therapist at Gulf Breeze Recovery. And we're so excited to hear about what she does and her point of view on things that apply to addiction. So Pamela, if you don't mind, can you introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you, Ann. I'm Pamela Downey. I am a licensed mental health counselor in Florida, and I have been with Gulf Breeze Recovery since their inception uh, in 2013 in multiple capacities uh, across time. So um, it's my pleasure to be a part of it, honestly. Great. Yes, we've been with them since the beginning, too. It's been a wonderful, wonderful time. Um, What's very interesting to me, and I'm sure to our audience, is this concept of trauma that we're hearing more and more about. And my curiosity leads me to want to know, how does that trauma apply to the concept of addiction? Can you help us with that? Right, absolutely. So one of the things that we know when we talk about is this idea that trauma and addiction have this very, very correlational relationship. We know that there is a stronger correlational relationship between trauma and addiction than obesity and diabetes, if that tells you anything. Um, So we know there's a very strong relationship indeed. That's really very interesting. Now, how, tell me about that. Tell me how, what, what is that relationship? How does someone identify the fact that this trauma is the cause, reason, whatever for their addiction? You know, the first thing is, I think, defining trauma and looking at trauma um, in a broader lens. So quite frequently um, these days, especially every every so often in mental health, we'll have a buzzword. Um, In the, you know, 90s, it was depression. Everything was depression. Um, Any symptom that we saw, we looked at it as um, this must be some element of depression. Well, Trauma can cause a lot of different um, issues, including depression, PTSD, um, addiction, uh, lots of cross-correspondence between all of those variations of how one experiences a dwindling or a lack of mental health or quality of life. Um, So in other research, we know that the, um, the difficulty in distinguishing um, between, for example, shame and addiction um, is a is a big big variable as well. Um, so I'm bringing that up in this conversation about trauma because uh, one of the premier researchers on the experience of shame, Dr. Brene Brown, um, talks about how shame is essentially um, very similar in bringing up symptoms physiologically and neurobiologically uh, that trauma does. Um, and also, I didn't mention this in the introduction, but um, I also teach a kind of therapy very well known and has its roots in the treatment of trauma. Um, so that therapy is EMDR. Okay, so many of our therapists at Gulf Breeze Reto- Recovery are trained in EMDR therapy. It's an excellent modality that really cross corresponds very well with the three principles, um, which is the backbone of our treatment program. Um, so we intersect the three principles and uh, EMDR therapy to uh, give our guests the best treatment possible and uh, neurofeedback. So that is a sort of a trifecta of treatment of trauma and addiction. Um, so essentially to, to come back to shame um, in the context of EMDR, a treatment for 
um, trauma and, and addiction and many other things. Um, essentially, there's something that we look at in the very beginning of working with someone with the MDR therapy. Um, and we're looking at what neural network or file folder in the brain seems to represent this person's symptoms and difficulties that they're coming to see us for addiction and beyond. By the way, no one comes to see us just for addiction. People come to see us to have a better life and a better experience of their life, um, to regain something that they've lost or cultivate something that they have not had. Um, and that is really what addiction um, is about. More on that um, in a minute. Uh, I get excited talking about all these different things. And so it ends up going um, to this thing over here and this thing over here. And, and it's all just part of how much I enjoy being able to, to talk with people and, and help people um, with trauma and addiction. Um, so essentially, when we're looking at these file folders in the brain as a starting place of trying to understand what's happening for this person via an EMDR lens and really a three principle lens in some senses as well, um, we are looking for um, a belief that is simply designating these experiences. And that belief helps us categorize uh, those experiences. And so I say all this to say um, the correspondence between shame and trauma and therefore then also addiction is that um, I'm either saying or experiencing something about myself that has to do with safety. I'm not safe. I'm not okay um, in some way or another um, or shame. I'm bad. And the reason those things um, relate so closely neurobiologically is because we're tribal creatures. And so if we have a belief or an experience from our life that has taught us or told us repeatedly that somehow we are bad or not good enough or not worthy of love and belonging, essentially we may be abandoned. And if we are abandoned as human beings, we got quite a long time to try to develop, um, we die. And so trauma and shame and safety are all interrelated to such a degree that Brene Brown says it's very difficult to discern um, how to separate them out. Um, so shame and addiction, unfortunately, um, as a cultural experience, um, also because we have, I think, um, really failed, I hate to say that, but really failed as a culture in treating and understanding addiction appropriately. I think we're getting better. I know that at Gulf Breeze uh, Recovery, we are getting uh, a lot better. I'd like to think, and I do believe that we're on the cutting edge of, of a very big paradigm shift uh, in the treatment of addiction and recovery. People do not want to just not use a substance. They want a solution to why they were using the substance in the first place. So let me talk about that from both an EMDR perspective and a three principle perspective, which again, intersect at Gulf Breeze Recovery in the treatment of trauma and addiction. What is the goal to eliminate? Is it possible or to help me handle it and affect it more? Because I only innocently got addicted to something in my obscure way of trying to handle it. So are you giving yes. me abilities to do that? And I'll wait for your answer. Absolutely. So. You know, we can't eliminate something that's happened, of course, because it's happened. Um, and it's an adaptive part of our brain that says, what do I do with this? And so sometimes the most adaptive thing we could come up with is to utilize a substance to help sort of self-medicate, if you will, um, the experience of having gone through something or some many things very difficult. 
Um, and so the, the point that I was actually about to make, and thank you for reminding me, Anne, um, was that adaptive information processing is essentially a, a backdrop of really both the principles and EMDR. It's more formally um, spoken about in EMDR, but let me explain what that is. I think it'll help answer your question. Um, adaptive information processing essentially says, just like the body is made to heal itself and adapt to whatever may happen, maybe I get a cut on my arm or something like this, um, the body knows how to heal that. I, frankly, with their therapist training, I have no idea how to heal my own body. My body knows how to do that. Same with the mind and our psychology and our brain, essentially, and our neurobiology. It knows how to move towards the most adaptive processing of the information that we have received from our experience. Now, sometimes that gets blocked with trauma. Um, the nervous system becomes so overwhelmed that it's unable to integrate information appropriately. And because it's not integrated, I always like to say the brain is no fool, um, that they are um, sort of struggling with the recycling and regurgitation of information from the brain that produces all these symptoms, for example, um, as with PTSD. Um, so we get these symptoms where it's like the brain is saying to us, being no fool, hey, this isn't done. Hey, this is still unprocessed. Hey, this is stuck. Hey, I'm having a problem. And the person who is sort of stuck in a state of trauma goes, I need to get rid of these feelings. I don't know what to do with this consciously or subconsciously. And they take the approach of utilizing a substance which essentially um, acts to affect the, the chemicals and try to settle the nervous system that way. However, the problem is as soon as, you know, the um, the substances take their general course. Now we have two problems and we haven't resolved the first one innocently. And so what we're trying to do um, essentially with the integration of EMDR neurofeedback and the three principles and teaching of the three principles is to get the nervous system reintegrated to get the person back to feeling like a human being, like they would like to feel um, living from a place of feeling like they're not stuck in something or stuck trying to avoid something. So essentially that's what we're doing. And I can certainly break down each of those three um, a little bit more specifically, if you'd like. What I'm, do you have an example of something that I know you have many you've, I, I, I remember being with a, with a young man there that uh, had an argument with his wife and she left and had a, fatal automobile accident. And his trauma was always believing that he caused that. And Absolutely. he talked highly of how this whole process allowed him to put that in the right perspective. Do you have an example so of Lee? Yeah, well, let me, let me first speak to the wonderful example that you gave. You gave me an example of the neural network that was causing his disturbance. That is headlined by the belief, it's my fault. And underneath, it's my fault, was probably I'm bad. I don't deserve anything good. And so there's this subconscious self-punishment that's happening because we can't adaptively process that information of what happened. We can only process it maladaptively, and now it's creating disturbance and symptoms. And so that was an excellent example, frankly, of exactly how this works. I have an experience in my life. Um, it's traumatic. I cannot integrate that experience for whatever reasons. And maybe neurobiologic reasons, because it was so traumatic and difficult that it froze my nervous system temporarily and I couldn't process the information. Um, I couldn't process it to the most adaptive resolution possible, which essentially is 
I did the best I could. I didn't know um, I can forgive myself or learn to begin to learn to forgive myself and understand that I'm a human being doing the best that I can. Um, and so really, essentially, that's, that's what happens in every example. We're looking for where did something go wrong? And it may not be one thing, by the way, Anne. Um, it may be a series of little things that someone doesn't think of as traumatic because they're so used to being in it. Um, you know, neglect, for example, as a kiddo, um, you know, even being bullied or being left out or feeling like a strange kid, as many of us do. Um, these things without the proper support um, can really leave a mark and an indention and they can affect our neurobiology and increase our likelihood of experiencing um, trauma um, and experiencing symptoms of trauma, I should say, later in life. Yeah. So it does kind of, uh, am I, it does kind of beg the question, what are a few of the details without being too technical of, of yeah. what is applied other than talking and speaking better to myself and being kinder yeah. to myself. How do I learn? Yeah, yeah. So essentially, um, one of the things that we teach and talk about uh, at Gulf Breeze Recovery um, is giving a little bit of distance between our thinking and our experience of thinking. And so let me talk about this trifecta a little bit of EMDR, the three principles, and neurofeedback. And they function differently and in a complementary way. Um, essentially. So how do we go from over here to over here and bridge the gap of that experience? I'm over here suffering. I'm experiencing addiction. I'm experiencing um, aftermath of trauma and a lack of that trauma being integrated. And I'm having all these difficulties. And what I, where I'd like to be is over here in the experience of, you know, I'm okay. I deserve good things. I can get through um, I can have a good experience and even experience joy again in my life. And then we bridge the gap. How do we do that? Well, very first thing, of course, our clients come in, they have to go through detox. That's our very first thing. Of course, we have to get that stuff out of your body um, and get you feeling comfortable again, um, at least um, moderately so. Uh, and we do a pretty good job at that at Gulf Breeze. The next phase of things is neurofeedback. Um, so uh, in terms of uh, neurofeedback, we're settling your nervous system directly. So our brain has both a chemical system and an electrical system. Everybody thinks of the chemical system. Everybody thinks, you know, we're a pharmacological culture, if you will. Um, take a pill for that. That may contribute to addiction, by the way. Um, we take a pill for that and, you know, you're good to go. Uh, but that really doesn't teach the brain to do anything. Um, so the brain also has an electrical system and I won't get into the, the details, but essentially we can, um, assess based on what the brain's electrical system is doing, what someone's symptoms will be. And with a comprehensive evaluation, we can help train your brain, your brain's electrical system to move itself out of those states associated with those symptoms. Okay. And so um, we settle your nervous system right away to kind of put it very simply. Um, it has much more far reaching effects than that, but we'll start with that for neurofeedback. So we get you in there for that right away, right after detox. Um, and then from there, you have sauna and other wonderful components of our program, individual therapy, things like this. Um, so when you're in the classes, you'll be learning some things about the three principles. Um, when someone gets into the classroom, they begin to learn things about shame resilience, first of all, 
Um, we have a class every Monday afternoon at Current that um, uh, actually I teach, and we um, teach from this lecture series with Dr. Brene Brown and talk about shame resilience and how to um, integrate some of that um, uh, relationship to addiction, shame and addiction, which again, as I already explained, it's relationship to trauma. Um, and we also teach about, again, these three principles. So what I love about the three principles and addiction as relates to trauma as well, um, is essentially that we are putting um, some trust and some confidence um, indirectly, I guess, back into our clients that we work with. It's already there. We're just reminding them um, essentially of um, here's how your psychology works. We have these three fundamental elements of how we experience our life. Um, and we name those at Gulf Breeze as mind, thought, and consciousness. Okay. Um, and so as thinking creatures, we have anywhere from 60, 50 or 60 to 100,000 thoughts a day. That is a lot of thinking. Um, so our thinking is a lens through which we see the world. Um, so we may have thinking about our traumas, uh, for example. Thinking, as the example you mentioned, Anne, um, where you know someone feels that they're responsible for a bad accident or something that's happened, and they have the belief or the thought that is, this is my fault. And now they're seeing subconsciously or consciously through this lens of this is my fault, everything's my fault, I deserve bad things, and it takes off like a snowball. And it's a lot to bear. Nobody could bear that day in and day out. Um, so the beginning comes with us understanding this principle of thought and how this lens of thought is impacting um, how we experience ourselves in the world around us from moment to moment. Okay. Consciousness is a little bit slippery to explain, but I'll try. Um, this is the sort of um, the special effects department, if you will. This is what makes all of our thinking appear real. Um, and the, the more constricted our consciousness, the more uh, limited we are in finding solutions to our, our um, issues and things that ail us. And so just by teaching how this works, we are expanding someone's ability to be more conscious of their experience. Okay. And so that actually does this. So I do this, our guests um, know I'm sort of infamous for <laughs> this very silly gesture, um, but it makes a lot of sense. You put your hand over your face, you have a low ability to see clearly what is around you and what you're experiencing. If you're aware that your thinking is creating your experience, it gives you this spaciousness. So that elevates your level of consciousness. It creates more spaciousness in terms of what you can, what you can take in, what you can digest and what you can process adaptively. Okay, and now in this space, I like to think of this space as the principle of mind. Mind, uh, if, if you're oriented this way, some people call it the God principle for simplicity. Um, it's whatever helps heal a cut on the body, okay? That I don't know how to heal consciously. Um, my body knows how to do that. That's the principle of mind, okay? And so if we can create some spaciousness, we have the ability to have new thought, okay? So now we've covered neural feedback and we've covered the three principles very basically, of course, each of those. Now enter EMDR. Um, I think of EMDR as a kickstart to the three principles. Um, it is an information processing therapy. Everyone thinks of it as a trauma treatment therapy, and it is. Um, it's very well researched for that. Um, however, it is not just for the treatment of trauma. It is for 
processing information to the most adaptive resolution possible, which allows us what? To have the life that we might not have even imagined that we could still have for ourselves, because our brain just hasn't digested something. That's what's happening. So um, the ability to, to utilize EMDR, which is a bit more of a structured approach, there's eight phases to it, um, but it has to do with identifying those things that have occurred in our life and also building an adaptive neural network, if you will, building an adaptive or um, unearthing and dusting off our, our adaptive um, abilities. Um, the ability, EMDR, I like to say, is even though the body knows how to heal this, um, Let's say it's impaled with some glass, or let's say it's infected, or let's say, oh, it's kind of a wide gap. We may need stitches. We may need an antibiotic to help heal that infection, um, or we may need to just remove the degree, debris and clean it out really well. That's EMDR. EMDR doesn't actually do the heavy lifting. The person's own brain does. But there's a very, very sophisticated, um, eloquent, and specific way that we do that um, with our clients. So. Um, and that's done typically in individual therapy. And I also host a group uh, once a week for our guests that helps them build those adaptive neural networks, understand this process in a much more comprehensive way, and to begin on their path to um, a more adaptive resolution to what ails them, because everybody deserves a resolution. Their solution, um, a substance or substances, um, actually ended up being more inhibitory to healing, but it was the best attempt um, at the time. And it's completely understandable that that was the most adaptive response that someone had um, at that time. I really appreciate that. I really do. You, you brought it to something that uh, I can understand and Great. appreciate the fact that it yeah. isn't just me sitting with my thoughts. It's me understanding how to be with myself. Yeah. So I, I really, yeah. really appreciate that. And that's really what I wanted to help myself and the viewer understand is that there's, there's, there's trauma, there's ways to take care of it. And some of them are good and some of them are better. And that was yes. terrific. Uh, yeah. Is there anything yeah. more on that topic before we close that you wanted to make sure uh, that the viewer heard from you? Yeah, I think it's really important, this this idea of consent, um, essentially, that we do not push or shove people into dealing with trauma in a way that is uncomfortable for them. And I think that's really important because it can be really scary for people to think, oh, my gosh, I'm a turtle without a shell here, as Brene Brown says. Um, it's not actually like that at all. Um, we're essentially... Um, building the adaptive neural networks, building uh, back the sense of self um, through a sense of um, community, through education, through um, these really state-of-the-art treatments, um, EMDR, neurofeedback, and the three principles in the treatment of addiction, um, that makes it a very, very comfortable process. If I needed treatment for any of these things, I would no doubt, without hesitation, um, recommend Gulf Breeze recovery to myself um, and to any of my loved ones. And that's the way I continue to measure. Um, is this a, a place I want to continue to be a part of in whatever capacity? Um, and the answer is absolutely yes. I would entrust this with my loved one, with myself. Um, it really is a trifecta um, of, of help for trauma and addiction. Perfect. Wonderful. And I'm so glad you were here to share that with everybody. Yeah. 
Thank you. Yeah, thank you too. Thank you so much. And that concludes this particular episode of Beyond Addiction. And I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks, Anne. Me too. Take care.